Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Craig Halloran, who is a prolific author. Some of his series include, and this is not all of them because he is so prolific, The Dragon Wars, The Henchman Chronicles, Supernatural Bounty Hunter Files, Dark Slayer, and Chronicles of the Dragon. Now, Craig, how do you stay so prolific? Write every day. Write every day. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's the whole thing. You got to write every single day. Not literally, but for the, I take days off usually between books, but pretty much I'll do at least a thousand words a day. If I don't, I'll lose sleep. <laughs> don't want that. I mean, that can ruin your creativity for sure. <laughs> That's right. Got to keep it rolling. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, again, my name's Craig Haller and I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. And I've been writing, I've been publishing for the last 10 years. I've been writing for about 20. I didn't, I didn't publish my first, I didn't finish my, it took me 10 years to write the first book, which was The Dark Slayer. After I got it published and figured out everything about publishing, then I got things going. But, uh, you know, I'm a family man. I've got a wife, two kids, two dogs, two cats. I'm an Air Force veteran. I was military police, uh, served overseas, and that's many years ago. Uh, graduate of West Virginia University. I got a business degree in accounting and, um, you know, everything's been pretty good from, I mean, that's pretty much my background. Uh, but a lot of my writing has just been shaped by my experiences abroad, uh, dealing with my friends and uh, playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, reading a lot of comic books, collecting a lot of comic books, going to a lot of movies. So all of those things have had a big impact on, on shaping my writing. And I read your bio on your website, and you said one of the, the first books that you read was The Sword of Shannara. Is that correct? Right. I read that uh, seventh or eighth grade. One of my my best friend, John, kind of challenged me to do it. And it was a big, I mean, it was, a you know, Sword of Shannara is like 700 and some pages. I always remember the pages being over 700 because it was so thick. And it's like, there's no way I'm going to read this. But I, after I got through the first 50 pages, I kind of, I finally got a feel for it. And after that, my hunger has always been there for, you know, for fantasy. I mean, and, you know, it, it had a pretty, pretty big impression on me. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I just cut my teeth on other books that I could get my, get my hands on other paperbacks. And most of that ended up being a lot of the uh, original Robert E. Howard Conan stories. But I was already already a comic book collector, so I was already very familiar with uh, Conan comics mm-hmm. and his character. But the books were so much better, as we all know. So um, I just love uh, just my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's he he doesn't get enough credit, but so many so many other writers, uh, even George R. R. Martin, uh, they attribute why, where they get their inspiration from. I think more to Howard. Mm-hmm. than like the likes of Tolkien and people like that. No, I agree. I've interviewed a few people now and a lot of them have said Robert E. Howard, um, Edgar, Edgar Rice Burroughs mm-hmm. with the John Carter series. And and I, I'm sorry to say that I haven't read either of those yet. Um, but a lot of people have marked those um, as influences in their, in their career. Right. Well, you're definitely going to have to pick them up. Yeah. Make sure you get the Robert E. Howard stuff, though, not the other. No, there's other. Robert Jordan actually wrote several Conan books that I thought were really good. Yeah. A lot of people think they're hack work, but 
um, I liked him because I can still remember most of the stories that he wrote. So a good mark of a good writer, no matter what it is, can you remember uh, the, the stories, the characters, or were they forgettable? And I, I thought he did a good job with Conan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. I call him Conan, that's West Virginia. I don't call him Conan like other people. Conan. Like, like the guy on TV. So. <laughs> it's Conan. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. middle name's Conan anyway. So that's, uh, I've already stamped that into the family legacy. Oh, nice. Hopefully yeah, he passes that down. I couldn't fit the Dark Slayer on the uh, birth certificate. So we just <laughs> went with Conan. The original Dark Slayer, right? Right. Perfect. Um, I, I actually, we, I read your bio and it was so funny because a lot of your history parallels mine because like I was a wrestler in high school and it says you were a wrestler. I played football. Sword of Shannara was kind of my introductionary uh, introductory book that led me into fantasy. Like I read I read The Princess Bride first and then The Hobbit. But mm-hmm. at the, like it wasn't until I picked up the Sword of Shannara where I was like, this is my drug now. Like I have to right. just read everything. And I, I forgot to get it, but I have the, my original copy of the Sword of that I very first bought. I mean, it's tore up, the covers off. But mm-hmm. I got Terry Brooks to sign it. And oh, cool. the the people that I handed it to, because you know when you're at a book signing, like they'll have you write your name on a sticky note or something. Like when I handed it to them so they could fill it out, they like looked at me like I was crazy because it was it was tore up, you know. And I was like, look, that's the that's the book that got me into this. So that's the one. Yeah. So your gateway, gateway to another world. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And a lot of, I guess Terry Brooks gets knocked some. I'm not really sure why, because see, I read his books, you know, before Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and everything. And people always say it's a big copy, but I, I never really felt he was really copying Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's gotta be some sort of standard that was set, but I, I thought his stuff was, was pretty original. And Elfstones, I've probably read it three or three or four times. That's probably my favorite one. And I probably wouldn't hurt to go back and read Sword of Shannara either. So I actually get a little inspiration from that one. I use a Chronicles of Dragon. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Minnie and Leah. You remember him, that character? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and he would sing cry Leia, Leia, really. So in Chronicles of Dragon, when Nath Dragon does his battle call, he'll go dragon, dragon. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. No, it's what what other works inspire you? Well, I'm not a, quite as prolific of a reader now as I used to be um, when I was much younger, because when when I started writing, I, I didn't want to end up just copying so many ideas from other. Too much bleeds into it, so I don't I don't want to absorb too much from other people. Mm-hmm. I do like to look at their writing styles to see how things flow better. But uh, again, you know, Dragonlance, I, I probably read pretty much all of those books. Uh, all of R.A. Salvatore's, you know, the Icewind Dale trilogies and what Drizzt Duarden, all of his adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've read, then other books I've read, you know, Stephen King. Uh, I like the way he writes. I've read, you know, several of his books. And I'm, I'm probably blanking out on a whole bunch of others I've read <laughs> over the years. Uh, you know, I've read some Michael Moore, Moorcock and uh, Fritz Lieber. You know, like I said, it, it's funny because these guys were writing in the 70s and 80s. And now we're talking, you know, it's 2020 now. And uh, there's been so many different authors since. But, you know, when I when I read blogs or some or some fan pages on Facebook, everybody's still 
mentioning the same the same guys. Everybody's still talking about them, and I don't. It's like the, not there's plenty of good authors that have come along since then, but everybody still uses them as a point of reference to everything. Yeah, I mean they really set the foundation for all of it. They did. Um, that is for sure. And yeah, like I said, I've interviewed quite a few people and it's amazing how many people say guys like, you know, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss and Stephen King, yeah. uh, Terry Brooks, Robert E. Howard, you know, all those. And like you said, like it is, it was the foundation that people kind of built their, their fantasy love off of. Mm-hmm. And they, in their books, I mean, Hickman and Weiss, I mean, I think, I don't know if they're in kind of a jam or anything, but like the rights of their books and everything, like they need, they need to be rebooted and, and pushed back out there, you know, with all new fresh looks and covers and stuff like that, because otherwise it kind of fades away. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, it's so, it's so super competitive now. One I read was um, Horse Clans was another series I read. I can't remember the name of the writer on that one. Uh, Smith, I think it was, or Robert, Ad- maybe it's Robert Adams. But that's one, you know, and then, you know, reading stuff like Ender's Game and uh, other books like that. I haven't done a lot with, with sci-fi. I've thought about dabbling with it. But, you know, just kind of the classic stuff. The Timothy's on Star Wars. I thought those were great. I don't know if you ever touched those. But man, those are fantastic. Like it, it was the best thing they had since the original trilogy out there for Star Wars. Uh, but again, we're talking 30 years ago. I read most of these books now. Yeah. 20, 30 years. And I, I, I don't have time to pick up the, only, the most recent book i read probably now was the well there's the name of the wind mm-hmm. i read it i actually met him at, at a book show um got a picture with him holding my dark slayer's axe brawl which was pretty cool nice and then uh there was um oh joe abercrombie mm-hmm. uh, blade was it the uh blade blade to itself or the blade itself and that, whatever that trilogy was the first law mm-hmm. the law books and i really like those they're they're grim dark but, but i didn't think they were like really grim dark or anything yeah. but, uh I, I did enjoy those books so those are those are probably the most current books i've read over the last you know 10 years since i've been writing well let's let's talk about writing you said that you try to get a thousand words a day do you have a specific goal be, uh, over that like when you sit down do you say okay i want to get 3,000, 5,000 words, because you're coming out with a book, it looks like almost every month. Or, right. or do you well, sit um, down and just be like, okay, I want to just write a scene today. Like, what are some of your goals? What I do is um, I keep everything down to, I keep my chapters short, about 1,000 words, which is about three pages. Mm-hmm. That helps me keep it flowing. I put little cliffhangers at the end of them to keep the story going. So, you know, two to 4,000 a day is probably my goal. And, but right now I try to do about uh, 50,000 words a month. Okay. Now I have done, I have had months where I've done 80,000 words and where I really push myself, but I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't want to keep doing it anymore. (laughs) I mean, once you get in the, once you get in the habit of doing it, if you have the time to do it, you'll, you'll get better at it. Mm Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't talk, take me very long to do a thousand words or 2000 words to do that. And a lot of people be like, wow, that's pretty, pretty incredible. But when you do it all the time, it becomes easier. And 
Uh, I listened to Stephen King's book, audio book on writing many years ago when I had started actually publishing and writing books. Mm-hmm. And he kind of set the standard because he, he said when he was younger, he did 2000 words a day. When he's older, he does a thousand words a day, he says, but the trick was to write every day. So that kind of gave me, that kind of gave me the bar to shoot for daily. So when I was maybe doing 500 or a thousand words a day, I said, nope, I need to be doing at least 2000 words a day. And then that's what I started shooting for. Um, like I said, you get better at it with time. You just got to stay in a rhythm, keep keep cranking them out. But uh, usually when I start a project, I don't want to stop until it's finished anyway. Okay. So I'm like, I got to I got to go, 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 go. And then mm-hmm. when it's done, I can take a break. And then after I take a break for five to 10 days, then I get antsy. And then I've got to start writing again. So I noticed you have a book coming out on the 31st in the from the dragon lords series right so this is book 16 out of Mm -hmm. 20 that i read is that correct right so do you work from an outline for all 20 books or do you just kind of have an idea in your head and you just kind of free write it how do you work i think 80 percent of the writers do an outline and then the other 20 percent are what they call fly by the seat of their pants and you've probably interviewed people like that so that's Mm -hmm. what that's the category i'm in Number one, it takes enough time. It already takes enough time to write the book. So to write an outline is going to almost double your time of writing the book. So all I do is in my head, I just have, I sort of have a be where the book is going to begin and where I want it to end. And everything else in the middle, I have to I just, I just fill in the blanks. Um, so, I, you know, the characters, the, the, the books are loaded with obstacles and uh, twists and turns that the characters are going to have to intercome, overcome. So all I'm going to do is, you know, make it difficult for them to get to that goal at the end. So do you find it hard, difficult or hard to write such a long series? In the case of Dragon Wars, I just decided I wanted to make a really one, a really big epic, a one million word long epic. And uh, you have the 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 main villain, Black Frost, which is, you know, he's a he's a dragon that he's about the size of a football field. So you've oh, wow. got, you're dealing with this Godzilla type dragon who's the enemy who's virtually impossible to kill. And then you've got your heroes, Gray Cloak and the Festive, which are, they, they've got their own natural talents and abilities that are somehow leading the charge to figure out a way to destroy him. And they're all tied in with other dragon riders and and he's been trying to hunt them down the whole time and send them an assault of various enemies at them. So there's different allies and different different enemies, and there's different creatures and monsters and situations all the time. When when I started writing, because you know I wasn't I wasn't some stellar student or somebody really interested in writing. The good main my main goal was to write books that were would get really younger people encouraged in reading. And I know if I picked up a certain book, you know, really The Hobbit's kind of a good example. The Hobbit's kind of, Lord of the Rings is a bit hard to swallow if you're a new reader. So the goal was actually kind of write a big epic that uh, a younger reader could actually read in smaller doses. So even though each book's only 50,000 words, which isn't that long, uh, a younger reader would be like, okay, it's only 50,000 words, I can read this. Mm-hmm. But when you put the whole scale of it together, it's a million words long. Yeah. And that's pretty much as long as the Lord of the Rings 
and a lot of other big book series, it's just going to be an easier pill to swallow because of the way I've set it up. And again, I've got a lot of feedback from people over the years that have just talked about how they are actually able to get their children reading or they were able to read to their children because I had very interesting material for them to read that kept their attention. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do the short chapters. And uh, again, the goal is to not, I, I, the last thing I want is for readers to sit there and have to read chapters and long chapters of that where not a whole heck of a lot's happening. And I think some people put a lot of filler in there in books and my books don't just don't have that. Um, I just, I've, I've developed a style, which uh, it's not u- unique to me or anything, but it is my writing style that actually keeps, keeps things going. And mm-hmm. I might jump around from scenes and situations uh, a little bit more often than other authors. And, and I write, and I do, I write from a, mul- a variety of points of views. So uh, there's really, you got your main characters and your supporting characters. And most of the points of views are from the main characters but the supporting characters will have their points of views as well. And the villains will have their points of views as well. And I think that's why it keeps it exciting and interesting to get in the heads of the other characters. Yeah. Uh, a lot of writers writing in first person in a way it's easy, but it's actually, it's kind of hard for me to make my story exciting doing it in the first person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many books that do well are first person. Uh, but I just, it's just not my style. I, I, it's not for me. Maybe in another genre it would be, but for my books, it just doesn't give me the flexibility I, I need to make my story interesting. That's fantastic. I like, you know, you and you have a variety of different, um, not necessarily genres, but, you know, you have like the, the supernatural bounty hunters and the epic mm-hmm. fantasy, like that somebody can find something interesting in your books. And right like you said like being not very long uh 50,000 words 60,000 words whatever like somebody can pick this up and give it a try and then fall in love with it and find out there's more and, right. and it's not that much of a time investment whereas like if you you got the lord of the rings fellowship of the ring is is a long book you know sort of shinar like we talked about before 700 pages like that's a big investment and if you write you said around 50,000 words a month um, and you come out with a book a month. What is your editing process like? I, I pay editors. So um, I write it and I actually, I don't go back over it. So it's, I used to do more of my own editing. I just didn't have the time to do it. So as soon as I finish it, I shoot it over to my editors. Uh, the three different editors look at it. And uh, when they're done, it's approved. And then I, then I get it ready, you know, that I posted on Amazon for publication. Now I schedule them all, but uh, again, that's another reason I give myself pretty hard deadlines with a little flexibility because if I have those deadlines, it forces me to do the work. Mm-hmm. But, but after I finish Dragon Wars, I'll probably, um, I'm, I'm looking at maybe writing pretty much most of the series first and then publishing them without any deadlines, but that might not work for me. What was the process to find these editors for you? How long did it take? Oh, it, it's not hard to find an editor. Um, there's there's different services out there that you can use. And, um, you know, w- when you're dealing with a bunch of other writers, everybody, everybody has good information. So right now where the self-publishing has exploded so much, there's 
there's all kinds of people who got into the service business, people uh, doing the editing, doing the cover designing. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the people that you're comfortable working with to produce the quality of work you need mm-hmm. and then building a relationship and working with them. So I've had, I've had good editors over the years and I've got good relationships with them. So I don't, I don't have any issues there. And that's actually another reason why I started doing, I, I kept with the 50,000 word books versus the 80. I think um, the longer the book it is for a person to edit, I don't think you get, I don't think you get as good of attention from it. I think they can get a little bit burnt out. Mm-hmm. And uh so they'll miss things. So by keeping the shorter books, it keeps them fresh as well. Because my approach with writing the books is, it's not really, it's, it's not really, the shit series is going to be long. Mm-hmm. The books might be short, but the series is going to be long. Yeah. So that allows me to make the best body of work as possible because my books are available in box sets, which are a good deal for people. So you can buy the book for 50,000 words or you can pay a few more bucks and you can get the first box set uh, of 250,000 words or 400,000 words or 500,000 words, you know, for, you know, a few dollars more. Yeah. So uh, it just depends. So now this is good information because people that want to get into to writing and self-publishing, it's good to know that because it's exploding, that you will be able to find good quality editors. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of bad quality editors as well. So you kind of have to sift through the, um, you know, the people, but you have great cover work on your, your cover art on your books. Um, is that, did you, do you hire a company to do that? Or did you find somebody that's kind of stuck with you? Well, um, with most of the fantasy books I've worked with, I mean, I've worked with artists all over the world. Uh, the Philippines, Russia, Germany, Sweden, uh, here in here in America, you know, Texas, California. Uh, so it's, it's a little tricky. It is kind of hard to actually get good Dungeons and Dragons type artwork that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And early on, when I started with with the Dark Slayer and the and, and, and the Chronicles of Dragon, I was really it was they didn't have the artists like then. Or as many artists there in the hire as they do now, so it's it, it was tough for me. Like I'm I'm getting ready to redo all the Dark Slayer covers uh, because I I've never been able to put the right cover on them uh-huh. that I wanted. So I'm actually in the middle of redoing those because I found an artist I liked, and then I've had really good luck with other artists. I've had much better luck with the Chronicles of Dragon uh, series because those are really good. The second series is more ideal, and I'm actually working on redoing the first series on some of those to get new covers because uh, covers is covers the number one seller of your book. You want yeah. your covers to be to be great, and I'm pretty happy with all the box set looks, but the individual books I need to I need to spruce them up. And you know, it's not uncommon for you know, a series after a few years to get all new covers. Yeah. We see that in book stores all the time. Harry Potter gets a new cover. Game of Thrones will get one. Uh, Lord of the Rings is going to get one. They always get new covers that make mm-hmm. them more enticing to readers. But, you know, if, if, you, if this is being shared with a lot of other, you know, people who are writers or are striving to be writers, uh, your cover is 
it's the big thing. So make sure your cover matches your genre, get a lot of good opinions on it. Uh, and then it matches up with your blurb and your book, your book, book description. It all has to, <clears throat> it all needs to fit like a glove. My books, like I'm, I'm pretty pleased with most of my books overall, but it's been a work in progress for some of them to make sure that they, they have the fit and finish of that genre that you're trying to sell in. And it, it, it takes time to kind of figure it out. And it can be, it, it's an expensive investment. And a lot of the more talented people are booked up for years. Oh. So, so you want to go get your cover done for by so-and-so. They're like, okay, but I'm booked up for the next uh, year. And I actually had to wait on a guy to do the henchman, you know, almost a year before I got those done. But I got them done and they turned out really well. Yeah. Uh, but it's a niche genre where it's, gateway portal fantasy so even with all that it's kind of hard to find my target audience mm -hmm. like i don't know if you you've got terry brooks uh, magic kingdom for sale sold and you got the thomas covenant chronicles uh there's not a lot of there's not too many gateway fantasies but plus now everybody is really into lit rpg that's what the big thing is mm -hmm. so again my book it was it's difficult to sell a book like that to get the right cover for a book like that when you're when you're doing you know cross from one world to the other so uh, like i said make sure your cover really nails it. and just look at other people in your genre say that cover i want that cover and everybody's kind of copying each other if, if you look at the style they all kind of look the same yeah but if it fits the genre that's okay but in my case, I like to have original artwork on all my fantasy books. And I like to have images of the characters and, and the monsters on it as well, if I can, because I think that's that's important to me. Yeah. And I think it's important to the reader. Mm -hmm. No, and, that's and a, I put an interior art in my books. Oh, do you? Nice. Mm -hmm. and no, Dragon and that's... Wars, I'm doing one image per book. So I'll show some characters in a setting. Uh-huh. And uh I like doing that because I, uh, I just, it's just me. I just, I just want to give, I know it's important for, it, it really helps readers to have a visual of something. Mm -hmm. It is. Just yeah. one little visual can make a big difference on how a reader interprets it, a lot of things. So that's, I try to work on that. No, that's fantastic. And you've kind of alluded to, um, to this, but marketing for Amazon and another, you know, self-published platforms is always changing. How do you keep up with the, the marketing so you can, you know, for one, sell your books, but two, be able to have some satisfaction knowing that people have read your books? The marketing is super competitive. It can be super expensive and you can lose a lot of money if, if you don't do it right. And I'm not claiming to be a marketing expert because I'm still, uh, for the longest time, when I first, the first five years, let's say I started publishing in 2010, you didn't have what, it was wide open. So I, I didn't have good covers on my books or good blurbs or anything, but they were selling and I was doing really well with them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, about five years later, uh, it, what, what was happening was if I wrote another book, another book, another book, I made more money. I just went up. So the formula was just write more books. So I just kept writing books. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And around 2015, 16, the rules kind of changed with Amazon. They do the Kindle Unlimited program, which, you know, you're paid based off of how many pages read is in your series. And then that's when the marketing stuff really gets big because then there's Amazon is doing their advertising and there's Facebook advertising. Mm-hmm. And then people are, people are just flocking to self-publishing to figure out what they can do to make a ton of money. Well, me, I just kept my head down and kept writing. So all of this stuff just kind of passed me by. So I kept writing more books, but then all of a sudden I started going down. I was like, why am I writing more books and publishing them and my sales are going down? Well, I wasn't doing any marketing. Mm -hmm. So then I had to start figuring out how to market my books. So uh, I work with somebody now that helps me market my books. Uh, we're always trying new things. We know the things that work. We're learning the things that maybe don't work. Uh, but it's kind of messed up because in the case of Amazon, and, and Amazon's, I'm grateful for Amazon, the opportunity they presented for me. But now you're in a situation where they get you on the front and the back because they're already taking their their percentage of your royalty, okay? But now in order to sell your book, you got to pay for the advertising. So they get you at both ends now. Yeah. And it's, um, it is what it is. However, my long-term strategy is simple. Write a ton of books. Because if I got a ton of books out there, people are going to be able to find them eventually with or without advertising. And they're going to buy, you know, I got books, I got thousands of reviews and I should have, and that's why I'm, I'm focusing on, you know, doing new covers and new blurbs and giving a freshening all my books up. Because in the long term, I would just want them to have some staying power. Yeah. And, you know, that's my goal. Before, it's been to keep trying new things, new things, new things, new things. But uh, my goal was just to write as many books as possible. I mean, I mean, I don't care about the accolades and all the money so much. I mean, I, I like I do it to make to make money. But again, you know, I want to have a, at least 100 books published, over 5 million words published. Maybe by the time I'm done, it'll be double what those numbers are. Mm-hmm. And if I've, I've done that, it's done, it's paid for, it's a business. You know, my name should be out there for a while. Yeah. It's just, again, a lot of people get into it and they kill themselves writing a series and they're done. Yeah. And a lot of writers, instead of keep writing books, they just start publishing other people's books. Uh, but me, I like trying new things. So I, I like it. I'm always going to keep trying to do something to the best of my ability and make it and see if it'll come off really big, you know, shoot for the stars. That's why you try new things. Oh, perfect. And I, and I like that you have bigger goals than just selling. Cause I, I do think there are some flash in the pants type people that come in, sell a lot of books, whether they're good quality or not, who knows? And then they get out and, and they can't replicate that and they're gone yeah. and, and nobody reads their books anymore, you know? Well, I, there's there's all kinds of flash in the pans out there, and they and they come out roaring, and they they they, they make a ton of money, and then that's it. And that'll be one of my knocks on uh, on one of the biggest authors or the biggest author all, all time is J.K. Rowling. I'm like, why did you stop writing? <laughs> Just like you've built like this unbelievable, fantastic world. I was like, you can't do more with that. Yeah, I, I, it, it blows. It's astonishing, and that. That's why I have a lot of respect for uh, Stephen King and a lot of these people who who just keep doing it, 
you know, for a long time, they just keep writing books and they don't, they don't like vanish. It's just like what Susan Collins from the Hunger Games, you know, what you're kind of a one hit wonder and things like that, but then you don't write anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's like, you know, what, what's the deal? I say, why can't you do more? Uh, it's kind of, it's just disappointing because they have a lot of fans and they've got great worlds. And I'm just like, what? Keep, keep doing it. But, you know, I guess they want to try and do other things. But look, I mean, look at, look at the entertainment. I mean, look at like the Rolling Stones or like Kiss and all these groups that keep doing it, you know, you know, for decades. Yeah. So the writer, if, if, if you really have a heart of a writer, then keep doing it for decades. I mean, because your, 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 your fans love you. They keep buying your stuff. Yeah. I mean, so I, it, I just find it disappointing that people like that stop. I just, I don't, I don't get it. No. And I don't, I don't know if the fame gets to him or, or what, but you've t- kind of alluded to, to this before, like, you know, a thousand words a day. Like if you just keep doing a little bit a day, I don't, I don't think that you, you would burn out like, you know, writing a big series and getting all this fame and all of a sudden, like you want to be a recluse because you're so famous, but you know, that, that could happen if you do these little bits every day, but I think if you have this habit, you'll continue on. At yeah. least I hope people would. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people, there's a little fear of not being able to do better than what they did before. And that's sometimes the case, but. Uh, Sophomore you know, slump. Yeah. I mean, but it's the same thing. I mean, look at, look at like uh, REO Speedwagon, you know, they're definitely don't sell records like the, but they're playing the same old stuff, but these people keep doing what they do because they love it. You know what I mean? They, do it because you love it you might not be the top of the hill anymore but you keep doing it because you love it yeah and and people yeah. still love them and still go to shows yeah exactly i mean there's <laughs> the whole 80s stuff i mean this stuff in 70 i mean it's still rocking man it's, it's <laughs> incredible it's like people gobbling it up yeah they are everything so yeah but anyhow my goal is just i'll just keep trying stuff as long as i can and um, but if it, the thing is, if you write a series and it's not selling well, it's really a big deterrent. Yeah. And I've definitely ran into those walls and I've published a book series. And like, again, for people who are writing, uh, a lot of people say, you know, well, just write the first book or two and see if it sells well, if it doesn't stop and do something else. Nothing wrong with that. However, if you like what you're writing and you got a little bit of a following, I say, keep writing. That's why I say write the series, and even if even if that individual series does, you're having a hard time selling it. You might have a lot more better success selling it as a box set. Um, my box sets have bailed me out on some series that didn't originally do so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Henchman Chronicles is one of them. Uh, the actual books didn't sell as I hoped, but then the box sets have done extremely well. Uh, so that's another thing. Uh, audiobooks there's a lot of we have talked about that but there's a lot of money to be made in audiobooks uh, and there's a lot of people who will uh, you can get you know contracts with I've, I've done I've been published by two people to experiment uh, Podium and Tantor published two of my book series and I want to see if I did better with them than I did doing them on my own mm-hmm. well all my other audiobooks Chronicles of Dragon the Dark Slayer Supernatural Hunter Files I paid for them entirely and did it myself. And I actually ended up making a lot more money doing it myself than going through the publishing companies. Mm-hmm. 
but you no. can do great with like if they do if you got a great book and 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 it gets out there you can do really great with it so i'm not saying don't use them yeah um but if you don't have the money to pay for your own books then that's definitely the way to go yeah yeah for sure plus like those new writers that put out a uh, a series of books or a book and it doesn't sell as well I, I interviewed dj butler and he said like your destiny is basically in your hands i mean he didn't say exactly like that but you know you you can make it in writing just as long as you don't give up and the things you learn from that i think can help you out in in the long run mm -hmm. well i think the biggest problem I don't know if you're familiar with it. There's the the big uh, 20 books, the 20K. And um, I started following that a few years ago. I went to a conference two years ago. And the one thing so many people say, they say, hey, I want to get into writing and publishing so I can do that as a full-time job. Well, that's kind of, that's not a real good expectation. <laughs> like, I still work. Okay, I'm not doing this you know, I still have my, I still have my day job because I like my day job and I mm -hmm. don't want to quit it. Just being a writer all the time, that gets kind of boring. <laughs> you know, it, it can, it can have an effect on your psychosis just doing <laughs> that all the time. You got to be around people. But uh -huh. most people, even, even really big authors, it took even like a Brandon Sanderson and people like that. Who's the guy who does uh, the Dresden Files? Jim Butcher. Jim Butcher. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I'm not for sure about, but even guys like that, it, it, probably even Terry Brooks or Michael Crichton, um, they still kept their jobs for a long time before they were really rolling in the dough and were able to quit them. Yeah. Even Stephen King still had his job until he finally got that uh, first really, I think he went full time after he got that big, like 200K check for Carrie. Mm -hmm. But again, most people are doing, most people are, are just doing it on the side. So don't make that your plan. I mean, you know, you can have your business on the side of your job and, but then if it, if it goes kaboom, great, then you can quit. But you know what? Amazon can pull the plug on you at any time. Yeah. Pop. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know when that well's going to run dry. So, you know, anything can happen. So I'm like, it's like, it's like, whatever, I'm going to, I'll do what I do as long as I can do it. If for some reason I can't do it, it whatever, it's done. So um, I know it's this pandemic, you know, times have been rough. Um, are you going to be able to, to go to any conventions or do any signings this year? If things get yeah, lucky for normal. Um, I had, usually my plan really after I finished Dragon Wars, which I'm going to wrap it up here in a few months is to actually start doing more conventions because I have done, I've only done, I've only done a couple and, but I actually have one here in my hometown. that's pretty big. It's the West Virginia book festival. So I, they, they do have that set up. They canceled it last year, of course, and they've got it set up for this year. So I'm all signed up to do that. Nice. And um, otherwise what I'll probably do, I'll probably do stuff. I'll look at ones more on the East coast where I live. One of my goals is to actually, go to different go to some different cities just to travel that'll be my thing to do it's like hey we're going to go to lexington kentucky of course that's not very far and, and stay there or baltimore and just be in different places and, and do my books because that would be fun but i would like to find one place where i'm just kind of an annual staple there mm -hmm. uh, my hometown's great 
and I'll always be there, but I'm hoping to find, like I said, I want to test their waters maybe on doing a Dragon Con one year. And like I said, it's a, it's just a really big commitment and I haven't had the time to do that. I like the ones, ones that are maybe just a couple of days because you're talking about three days or more. That gets pretty brutal. Yeah. So uh, things like that. And then you got to figure out which books you want to take because I've got bins of, of books that I've had from, from shows and uh, I always do great at my shows selling them, but I'm always ordering new stuff too. So it kind of keeps piling up. Yeah. Well, Craig, I appreciate you getting on with me. Go ahead and mm-hmm. tell everybody how they can get a hold of you or how they can follow you. Sure. Um, on Facebook, go to the Dark Slayer Report by Craig. It's really easy to find. And then my email is craig at thedarkslayer.com. Um, and those, those are the main place because I don't, I don't do anything on Twitter. And uh, like I said, most people just reach me. They just send me an email or they contact me on Facebook. And then my name, Craig Howard on Facebook, you know, you look me up there too. So I always get back with anybody who reaches me and answer their questions. And I'm always glad to help people, other writers who have questions. And uh, again, there's a lot of people. That's one thing good about the self-publishing business. We all, everybody pretty much helps each other out a lot. Yeah. And um, like I said, there's, there's not really any big secrets to being successful that I can think of. It's just a lot of hard work. And a lot of and a lot of planning and preparation, but the main thing is to get the books written. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you joining me today uh, for this interview, and there's a lot of great tips and and help that I think people can benefit from. So thank you. I appreciate it, Carson. It's been great meeting you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.